Welcome to Back Window. I'm Mike Hill, and this is my podcast about, I don't know, about life. I call this episode, Two Roads Diverged, but I was in the cornfield. Good judgment is not something that comes at a discount from Costco. You can't order it and have Amazon deliver it to your door tomorrow afternoon. Good judgment's not handed out rolled inside your high school diploma and cannot be given as a 21st birthday present. I know these things are true. If my parents had been able to sprinkle it on top of my birthday cakes or spread it like peanut butter on my sandwiches, they would have certainly done so. I consider myself a middling good person and smart enough to get by, but I am occasionally plagued by a lack of good judgment. And as for paying the piper, well, it comes with the territory. I hesitate to give you examples, but here goes. I grew up early. That's not to say I matured early. I just grew up as in Skyward. In the eighth grade, I reached the height of six feet, one inch. To my everlasting disappointment, I maxed out there. Combine the clumsiness of that early growth with a tendency toward poor judgment, and the result is becoming far too familiar with the emergency room of York County Hospital. From carving through a popsicle stick and into my leg with an X-Acto knife, to diving headfirst into a brick wall, I kept my parents on high alert even before I reached the terrible teens. In one extravaganza of bad decisions, at age 12, some friends and I decided to walk the railroad track from Fort Mill to Pineville, some seven miles or so, on the hottest August day of the year. Compounding the error, I chose not to borrow money to buy a cooling soft drink when we dragged into Pineville drank my canteen of tepid water empty before we were halfway back, and then the topper of all bad moves refilled it with water from Sugar Creek. Let me explain to those unfamiliar with the area, sugar was not what Charlotte dumped into Sugar Creek. That one cost me a week in the hospital with amoebic dysentery. Despite the warnings from my parents and teachers that high school grades were important, I managed to carry a barely C average. My high school counselor, who shall remain anonymous, warned my parents that I would not make it through college. Nonetheless, I guess I showed Nanny Lee, I mean, nameless counselor. Well, she might have been sort of right. After a freshman year of academic probation, I was de-incarcerated and told to move along by the Dean of Students at Presbyterian College. I don't blame the school. I blame my friends, who shall also remain nameless, PK, for studying behind my back. I thought that when they said they were going to the library to study, that there were air quotes around library and study. It turns out that colleges are not just for unsupervised recreation. But, unnamed counselor, I did make it through college. I just needed a humiliating failure to motivate me toward my academic quasi-success. 
After a successful summer school, I was admitted to St. Andrews Presbyterian College, now university, and managed to squeeze a few hours of study between my busy hours of poor judgment. My grades were, let's say, adequate. In all fairness to myself, I have always learned far more than I showed on test. I credit the fact that although I often skim textbooks, I devoured literature. I'm always reading a book, often two or three at the same time. This may account for my sometimes expecting a malicious clown or a wily velociraptor to appear in a Sherlock Holmes story. They get all jumbled up. I spent six years in the South Carolina National Guard. Most of the time I managed to keep my head down and stay out of trouble. It was barred time and I knew it. My basic training was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, only 30 minutes from where my fiancée Jane was in school. When at the beginning of the last week of training we were given a day pass, Jane and I were running a little late getting back to base. What's 10 minutes, I said. They won't even miss me. Anyone who has ever spent time in the military will wince at that error in judgment. When we pulled back up beside the barracks, the platoon was already in formation, and I was AWOL, absent without leave. The duty sergeant and I had become friends, and I thought things would be fine. While training for everyone else was relaxed during the final week, I spent my days sweeping, mopping, and waxing the battalion headquarters and doing countless push-ups. My nights were spent standing guard duty for hours in some remote spot that didn't even need to be guarded. Turns out, 10 minutes late in military life is a lot later than in civilian life. To this day, the mere sight of a mop bucket fills me with dread. And how has my judgment worked in the area of choosing cars? You're listening to a man who bought a Saab Sonnet sports car built so low to the ground that I lost nine mufflers in two years. And for those unfamiliar with cars, the names Corvair and Corvette sound alike, and both are small Chevrolet models. My Corvair Monza had a four-speed manual floor shift, bucket seats, and a good radio. The road between Indian Land and Monroe is a series of curves and small hills and the perfect road course for a Corvette. But as I said, I didn't have a Corvette. I only pretended I did. On one trip back to St. Andrews, the road had just been paved and I was maneuvering that road like Sterling Moss at Monaco. Ralph Nader, consumer advocate wrote an entire book declaring the Corvair was unsafe at any speed. After a 50 mile an hour slide across a road and two complete rollovers, I can confirm that he may have had a point. Fortunately, when the dust settled, I escaped with minor bruises and scrapes and was only too happy to be alive for the inevitable Bob Hill, what were you thinking lecture. The Corvair was a complete casualty. And while we're speaking of lacking good judgment, at the end of one summer school, a group of erstwhile friends at St. Andrews called on my lack of judgment to help with a hairy buffalo party. 
for the party we rented a house in the middle of a cornfield in rural South Carolina across the state line from the college. Although called a variety of names, what we called a hairy buffalo party centers around a new plastic trash can filled with Hawaiian punch and an ill-advised variety of types of booze. The result is a deceptively mild-tasting fruity drink capable of bringing out every form of bad behavior. I enjoyed the party all the way through the witty and charming phase of inebriation. My memory then gets spotty until the point where I was awakened from a brief nap among the rustling stalks of autumn corn. I am without explanation as to why I chose to wander into the cornfield. Thankfully, my friends didn't just leave me there. I'm told I was located after a brief search and returned to my dorm room to sleep it off. I awoke the following afternoon with a blinding headache, a churning stomach, and a need to apologize to anyone who dropped by my dorm room to check for a pulse. I vowed that day to never let that happen again. And true to my promise, I have not been near a cornfield since. Thankfully, we're not merely the sum total of our mistakes. All through life, we judge ourselves harshly, but the wrongs of our past don't rattle along behind us like Jacob Marley's chains. We are free to live with who we are and not who we once were. I realize that living as long as I have is a miracle and the result of dumb luck and an overprotective wife who won't let me go higher than one rung on a ladder. They say God looks after fools and drunks. I've stretched his patience in both areas. As I've grown older, I've tried to mend my ways, to look before I leap, and to consider the consequences of my actions. I hereby promise to follow the straight and narrow path, to keep my eyes on the prize, and to run the good race. I just hope when I get to the finish line, I don't trip over it. <laughs>